0: This is a Fuente podcast. And the question was wrong when it was, "Are all religions valid?" That's the wrong question. A better question then was whether Christianity is true or not. Okay. That's a question that the answer to that will actually be able to get us somewhere. Okay, it's a question that actually means something. Now, did Jesus exist? That's the first thing that we're going to be talking about. Um, and honestly, this is a stupid topic. I know, this is it's a really dumb topic. If you already believe Jesus existed, like you know anything at all about history, then just skip this podcast. Like seriously, I'm not joking. I know there's completionists out there. I'm looking at you, Chris Irwin. Just skip this podcast. You don't need it. Um, just go to the next one. If you know that Jesus existed already. At this point in my life, it feels silly to even argue this but I remember a time when it wasn't silly and when it made a lot of sense to me and some of you may be where I was so I'll go into it coming out of Christianity I felt like every time I researched something scientific I was wrong with my Christian beliefs every time it was like looking at the evidence it was so obviously old and so obviously pro-evolution and it made me feel betrayed by my Christian leaders where I knew one like either they were incompetent or two they were liars but three they certainly weren't objective people looking out at the evidence and figuring out what to believe based on the evidence and so it felt like Christianity was this crutch I kept leaning on that kept breaking under my weight okay I felt like Christians had lied to me my whole life or were just totally ignorant and had not even interacted with the evidence Um. And they had excluded things that didn't cohere with their worldview. So naturally, with that in in law, we call that impeaching a witness. Okay? And so Christianity, the, the credibility of Christianity had been impeached just horrifically. I didn't even want to listen to what a Christian had to say because I just knew they were full of crap. And so naturally when I started hearing arguments online that Jesus never existed in history, um With the foundation that had been set by first fundamentalism, and then it being wiped out by objective facts about the universe. So, with that background, mythicism, mythicism, that is the belief that Jesus never existed in history, made total sense to me. Okay? Uh, With the foundation set that Christians are liars and atheists tell the truth, that that was my epistemology. Okay? And I went with them, these atheists, and about, golly, like, Seven years ago, when I had my stint of atheism, Christ mythicism was hot stuff all over the internet, okay? And so, while it's been so long now since it was relevant that it seems kind of silly to go into, I can remember a time when it mattered a great deal, and so I'm going to go into it anyway. So Christ mythicism is this ideology that developed in the late nineteenth century that's this idea that Jesus never existed. Now that should be your first red flag, okay? We we never had people saying Jesus didn't exist until the eighteen hundreds when oh my gosh, so many things that were said about like the world and religion were just so totally wrong. Um and like, you know, there's plenty of people who hated Christianity in the ancient world. Like, what didn't, why didn't Celsus, the ancient skeptic, ever say, Jesus never existed? Like, if, if the if the argument had any sort of grit, or maybe not grit, but any sort of evidence at all in the ancient world, people would have been using it like crazy. Okay, that's just not even my first point. That's just me trying to introduce Christ, myth, Christ mythicism and just... The more you learn about it, the more ridiculous it is. But I can not remember a time when it didn't sound ridiculous. Okay, so well, I'm going to talk about it. The Mythicists. Uh, this is from JesusNeverExisted.com. Uh, this is run by, I think her name's like Akaya S. I debated her one time online, briefly, on Facebook. Um... She's she's a real big proponent of this Christ myth theory where Christ is supposedly based on all these other deities that are dying and rising gods. Okay, this is what she says on our website. Um, Christianity was the ultimate product of religious syncretism in the ancient world. Its emergence owed nothing to a holy carpenter. There were many Jesuses, but the fable was a cultural construct. The 12 disciples are as fictitious... <laughs> I just can't get through it. I'm sorry, just like when you know all the primary resources in the manuscripts and all the evidence. Okay, like we literally have a letter from his brother and another one from Peter. And Paul knew these people. But okay, anyway. The twelve disciples are as fictitious as their master, invented to legitimize the claims of the early churches. Okay? That's their beliefs. And this is a... Um, I have a, a little graphic here taken from uh, this popular internet movie called Zeitgeist. I'm going to go through this this picture it has. Horace, born on December 25th. Already there, we can, we can tell what. Those of us who've watched the astronomy episode, we know that Jesus was born on September 11th, not December 25th. The other thing we can note already is that... Um, None of y'all have watched that episode because it has zero views. So I don't know why I'm talking like y'all have seen it before. Go and listen to the episode about Noah and astronomy. Okay, that's I'm going to get off my high horse. Okay, supposedly Horus was born of a virgin, star in the east, abandoned by three kings, uh, teacher of twelve, baptized at thirty, twelve disciples. Okay, now let's listen to Addis. Born of a virgin, born on December 25th, crucified, dead for three days, resurrected. Oh, wow, these are just like Jesus. Mithra, born of a virgin, born on December 25th, 12 disciples, performed miracles, dead for three days, resurrected. Wow. Krishna, born of a virgin, star in the east, performed miracles, resurrected. Dionysus, born of a virgin, born on December 25th, performed miracles, king of kings. Alpha and Omega. Resurrected. Okay, so you see what they're doing with this. Um, Long story short, all these claims are not based on any primary sources that are actually from history. They're based from two books that everybody who's in Christ mythicism cites that were written in the late 19th century that come up with all these parallels. These parallels have nothing to do with Horus. If you know anything about Egyptology whatsoever. But we'll get into all that. Okay. More on Christ, so I need to quit commenting on it and just let you hear what Christ's mythicism believes. Okay, I'm going to give you that. Okay, Here's another quote. This is from a book called Jesus, the Mysteries. The story of Jesus is not the biography of a historical Messiah, but a myth based on perennial pagan stories. Christianity was not a new and unique revelation, but actually a Jewish adaptation of the ancient pagan mystery religion. They claim that at the heart of the various pagan myths was a God-man who died and rose again. This divine figure was called by different names at the various different pagan mysteries. Osiris, Addis, Dionysus, Adonis, Bacchus, Mithras. But fundamentally, all these godmen are the same mythical being. All these figures allegedly follow the same mythology. Okay. Um, I also saw this uh, belief system in a in a Netflix series called The God Who Wasn't There, and That was part of what kicked off my my stint of atheism. I'm going to play a clip from Bart Ehrman now. Uh, Bart Ehrman is the James A. Gray Distinguished Professor of Religious Studies at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Um, He's a very, very prominent, famous New Testament scholar. He's also an atheist, okay? or at least he's an agnostic. He's an agnostic humanist, and this is what he has to say about the existence of Jesus. I do not see evidence in archaeology or history for a historical piece.
1: Yeah, well, I do. I mean, uh, that's why I wrote the book. Well, I mean, okay, yeah. I mean, I have a whole book on it. <laughs> I mean, uh, so th- there is a lot of evidence. I mean, there there is so much evidence that it is it is not, I mean... I know in the, in the crowds you all run around with, it's commonly thought that Jesus did not exist. Let me tell you, once you get outside of your conclave, there's nobody who, I mean, this is not even an issue for scholars of antiquity. It is not an issue for scholars. Of, there is no scholar in any college or university in the Western world who teaches classics ancient history, New Testament, early Christianity, any related field who doubts that Jesus existed. Now, that is not evidence. That is not evidence. Just because everybody thinks so doesn't make it evidence. But if you want to know about the theory of evolution versus the very theory of creationism, and every scholar in every reputable institution in the world thinks that, believes in evolution, it may not be evidence, but if you've got a different opinion, you better have a pretty good piece of evidence yourself. There, the reason for thinking Jesus exists is because he is abundantly attested in early sources. That's why. And I give the details in my book. Uh, early and independent sources uh, indicate that Je- certainly that Jesus existed. One author that we know about knew Jesus' brother and knew Jesus' closest disciple, Peter. He's an eyewitness to both Jesus' closest disciple and his brother. So, I mean, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, again, I, res- I respect your disbelief, but I, I, you know, if you want to go where the evidence goes, I think, that, I think that atheists have done themselves a, mis, a, a disservice by jumping on the bandwagon of mythicism because, frankly, it makes, it makes you look foolish to the outside world. If, if that's what you're going to believe, you just look foolish. Uh, you, you are much better off going with historical evidence and arguing historically rather than coming up with the theory that Jesus didn't exist.
0: You heard it from his own mouth there, a New Testament scholar who's also an agnostic, saying, you know, this is ridiculous to say that he didn't exist. In fact, it makes a satheist a, a look stupid. Um, Bart Ehrman has no agenda to try to prove that Jesus existed. The only reason he thinks that he exists is because all the evidence points that way. Okay? and A lot of times, just like how fundamentalists say there's this conspiracy of scientists who are trying to hide the truth, Mythicists do the same thing with Jesus, and they say there's a conspiracy out there to try to prove that Jesus existed. Bart Ehrman doesn't like, care if Jesus existed. He cares if serious history is taught. I'm going to go to another scholar now named N.T. Wright. Um, he's one of the world's leading Bible scholars. He's now research professor of New Testament and early Christianity at the University of St. Andrews. He's a regular broadcaster on radio and television. He's the author of over 60 books, including The New Testament and the People of God, Jesus and the Victory of God. That's the one I did the review over earlier. And a whole bunch of other books. Uh, he's great. Here's, his, here's what he has to say about the existence of Jesus and the crucifixion.
2: The crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth is one of the best attested facts in ancient history, and I speak as an ancient historian. There are certain other things like the the murder of Julius Caesar, the destruction of Jerusalem in a d seventy uh, all sorts of other things which actually we know pretty certainly and which no ancient historian denies. I, I gather there is yet another book just come out i can 't even remember the author 's name saying that Jesus never existed, saying that this was all invented um, seventy years later by the Romans in order to keep people quiet. This this is complete nonsense, and no serious ancient historian would take it seriously for a minute. Um, if we take Jesus out of the world of first century Palestinian um, Judaism uh, and say maybe such a figure never existed. There are a thousand other things that we just simply can't explain. We have all sorts of evidence which points back to the certainty of there being this figure and particularly the certainty of his crucifixion. The crucifixion itself is one of the best bits of evidence because in the ancient world the word cross or crucifixion was almost like a swear word. You wouldn't want to say it in polite company or in front of your grandmother because it was so horrible and barbaric and disgusting and bodies hanging on crosses being eaten by rats and vermin and birds and so on. You just shudder and look away. And yet the Christians made the cross the symbol from the very beginning of their movement because for them it was the sign of the love of God. Without something like the actual death of Jesus, that cultural shift is impossible to explain. Like a
1: bird on a tree I'm just sitting here. I got time.
0: It's clear to see. From up here. So what is it exactly that makes all of these experts just completely confident that Jesus existed? Uh, Well, first we need to figure out our epistemology for purposes of history. How do we figure out what actually did and didn't happen in history? History's not a science. Okay? You can't apply the scientific method to history. You can't compare um, Alexander taking over the world to a control group okay, to try to figure out the measurements of how he did it. It doesn't work like that. Once it's over with, it's done, and it's gone, and it's in the past. So instead, you have to look at all this evidence that you have, and you have to ask what theory best explains the evidence you have before you. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's a lot like what I do as an attorney with the courtroom, where you bring in this evidence and you're trying to best explain what happened. Um, so I'm going to portray, give you this evidence that convinces a bunch of very intelligent, well-educated people that Jesus exists, claimed authority and glory, uh, that should only go to God, um, and that he died and rose again. Okay, though for this podcast, I'm only going to focus on the existence. Because one step at a time, and if we don't even believe he existed, you know, why bother with the rest? You often uh, wonder, you know, where, where's the Roman documentation having to do with Jesus? If Jesus existed, where's his arrest warrant? Where's the trial proceedings? Uh, some mythicists will say that Romans had extensive recorded documents that recorded all these things. Uh, Let's take a rich Roman aristocrat like Pilate for instance. What evidence do we have for his existence? Josephus mentioned that he ruled for 10 years from 26 to 36 AD. That's um, Josephus is a Jewish historian. Pilate was arguably the single most important person in Roman Palestine at the time of Jesus. What records do we have today of all of his accomplishments? How many of his judicial proceedings? interviews, his scandals, well how many death warrants that he signed do we have in our possession, the prisoners he put on trial, what laws he issued, what decrees he passed, none, we have none at all, not one word, does this mean he didn't exist, no, okay, we even have found recently a a plaque from Roman Palestine that's got Pilate's name on it, okay, but we don't have all this stuff. We just don't have a whole lot of records from 2,000 years ago. This idea that we have like just archives and archives of, of Roman legal records is, is a lie. But let's look at some records that we do have that mention Jesus. Okay? And, and I want to look at non-Christian sources to start with. Because I remember back when I didn't trust any Christians. This is from Pliny the Younger. okay? He lived from 61 to 112 AD. He says this. They asserted, however, that the sum and substance of their fault or error had been that they were accustomed to meet on a fixed day before dawn and sing responsively to a, a, a hymn to Christ as to a God. He, he's writing a letter to the emperor trying to figure out what to do with these Christians. He's been whipping them. He's not sure what to do with them. And he's talking about what their beliefs were. Okay, And he's saying that they sang hymns to Christ as to, his, as to a God. So here from that line, you can tell he believed Christ existed and he believed that Christ was a man, okay? And this title, Christ, means Messiah in Greek, and you can already tell that it's being used as a proper name to describe Jesus. And this is already, you know, within the first century. And to bind themselves by oath, not to some crime, but to, not to commit some fraud, theft, or adultery, not to falsify their trust, or to refuse to uh, return a trust when called upon to do so. That's a, uh, yeah. That's a letter from uh, Pliny the Younger to the Emperor. So what can we learn from this? God, a man, and he was thought to exist. Okay? And the Christians worshipped him like a god. Okay, yeah. So the Christians worshipped him like a god. He was a man, and he existed, and he was the Messiah. You get all of that from this non-Christian first century uh, historical source. Okay? Next we're going to look at Suetonius. Suetonius says that at one point in Claudius' reign, he had all the Jews deported from Rome because of riots that occurred at, quote, the instigation of Crestus. Crestus was a proper name, but this sounds like he's mishearing the name Christ and thinking it's Crestus. Around 41 AD, this would be mm, eight years after Jesus' resurrection, in a biography of Claudius, uh, it says, uh, it it mentions this. That riots occurred at the instigation of Crestus. And in fact, if you look in the book of Acts in chapter 18, it seems to mention the same incident. It says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Achilla, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. There you have multiple attestation backing up this this non-Christian source talking about Crestus. Next, I'm going to look at Tacitus consequently to get rid of the okay so this is the the famous report where it's talking about how Nero blamed the fire of Rome on Christians as a scapegoat and then started persecuting Christians and Tacitus who hates Christians and thinks they're disgusting still pities them because of how badly Nero's treating them I'll read you what he says. Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the – so there we have Christus being connected to Jesus directly. The same Crest, so that gives us even more data that Suetonius was probably referencing Christ. Crestus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate. Oh, Pilatus. And a most mischievous superstition, thus checked for a moment, again broke out not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, but even in Rome, where all hideous and shameful. All things hideous and shameful from every part of the world find their center and become popular. Okay, so if Christians are faking Jesus into the historical record, why would they fake that the Christians are hideous and shameful into this historical record? And where's the evidence that these Christians are making up all these historical records? Okay, No Christian would make this up. Okay, and, and uh, one of the things that mythicists always attack is, um, I think it's called the Testimonium Flavius or something. It's, it's from Josephus. It's a reference to Jesus, and it's obviously been been messed with by like a medieval monk who was pious and trying to protect Jesus' reputation. Okay, and so... Um, bart Ehrman even he says well i supposed that there actually was a reference to jesus here but this monk came in and added more to it he didn't just full-on make up the whole reference to jesus in here um bart Ehrman was proved right um a guy named shlomo pines found um a coptic i'm sorry an arabic uh translation of this part from josephus that didn't have the medieval tampering with it and it still references jesus okay let's call the testimonium flavius okay and here it is this shlomo pines this i think this is shlomo pines version at this time there was a wise man who was called jesus and his conduct was good and he was known to be virtuous and many people from among the jews and other nations became his disciples yeah this is the one that isn't corrupted Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. Those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported they had, that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion, and he was alive. Accordingly, he was the Messiah concerning whom the prophets have recounted wonders. Okay. And you can tell from that that Josephus didn't believe that was true. He said according to the followers. So it totally makes sense that even though he's a Jewish historian, he could reference this. Um, he also wanted to emphasize the peacefulness of Jesus, because Josephus um, had lived through the revolt and destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, and he wanted to color the Jews as not as rebellious as they'd been perceived, because he wanted to protect them from further destruction by the Romans. Okay, but what's our best source for figuring out stuff about Jesus? Um, honestly, it's sitting in every church all around the world right now. Um So, Christians call it scripture, but the actual genre of the Gospels is something called Greco-Roman historiography. Okay, And Greco-Roman historiography is a genre that was invented by Herodotus um, in the 5th century BC. And it is the precursor of modern history, though it's not the same thing. Okay. They would not full sail just make up events with Greco-Roman historiography, but they would highlight certain details of the events in order to make theological points. Okay. And they did not feel as, as much like they needed to hold to some strict um, video recording of the facts as a modern historian would. Why? Well, because a lot of times you know, all you had was eyewitnesses. You didn't have videotapes of things. You couldn't get a speech word for word. You had to get the gist of it. Okay, That's not the same thing as writing fantasy. Okay, And, and, and that's the same kind of genre that all like Suetonius and Pliny the Younger and uh, Tacitus, all these people wrote in this genre. It's Greco-Roman historiography. It's in the first century. If you're going to do history, that's the genre you use. Okay? The Gospels include a whole bunch of independent sources. Okay, they have uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of course. Um, Mark, uh, Matthew, and Luke are both using Mark as a source, and they're also using this other document called Q. It's called Quell. It's a German. It means hidden. It's a. It's. Um, they're both. It's, it's whenever they match each other, but it's not from Mark, and so you, we can tell that there's another document out there that they were both quoting, and we just call it the Gospel of Q. CFQ, so the Unique to Matthew material, the Markan material, the Unique to Luke material, uh, John material. That's like five sources right there. And then plus all of the, the non-Christian sources, we're up to about nine independent attestations of the existence of this guy. And that's not even including other Christian sources that aren't the Bible, like the Egerton II papyrus, and the writings of Ignatius and Clement, Papias... Okay, and uh, all these people. And how do you explain the 1,800 years before you guys when nobody claimed Jesus didn't exist? Earlier, early Christian writers like Papias, Eusebius, and Tertullian never tried to argue that Jesus existed because everybody already knew he existed. It would be like arguing that MLK existed today. Nobody would waste their time doing it because there's no reason to do it because, you know, nobody's claiming he didn't exist. Here's a quote from Ehrman. Even though most mythicists do not appear to know it, the one-time commonly held view that dying rising gods were widespread in pagan antiquity has fallen on hard times among scholars. Okay, Of the scholars who still believe in this category, none of them believe it had any effect on Christianity. Not one first-century Palestinian believed anything like this or in the surrounding area. Even if they were even if there were a clear dying rising god, which there isn't, he says, a resurrection is not the same thing. Okay, here's from Jonathan Z. Smith's Encyclopedia of Religion. And Bart Ehrman claims that this ended the debate over a century ago. This is a quote from Jonathan Z. Smith The category of dying and rising gods, once a major topic of scholarly investigation, must be understood to have been largely a misnomer based on imaginative reconstructions in exceedingly late or highly ambiguous texts. All the deities that have been identified as belonging to the class of dying and rising deities can be subsumed under the two larger classes of disappearing deities Or dying deities. In the first case, the deities return but have not died. In the second class, the gods die but do not return. There is no unambiguous instance in the history of religion of a dying and rising deity. And this is from Ehrman again. Real historians of antiquity are scandalized by such assertions, or they would be if they bothered to read Fre- uh, Freaking Gandhi's book. He's talking about this mythicist he's attacking. The authors provide no evidence for their claims concerning the standard mythology of the godmen. They cite no sources from the ancient world that can be checked. It is not that they have provided an alternative interpretation of the available evidence. They have not even cited the available evidence, and for good reason. No such evidence exists. Okay? And let's continue to quote him. What, for example, is the proof that Osiris was born on December 25th before three shepherds? Or that he was crucified? Or that his death brought atonement for sin? Or that he returned to life on earth by being raised from the dead? In fact, no ancient sources say any such thing about Osiris or the other gods. But Freak and Gandhi claim that this is common knowledge. And they prove, in quotes... It by quoting other writers from the 19th and 20th centuries who said so, but these writers too do not cite any historical evidence. This is all based on assertion believed by freaking Gandhi simply because they read it somewhere. This is not serious historical scholarship. It is sensationalist writing driven by a desire to sell books. And there's even more stuff destroying the uh, mythicist arguments, but. Hopefully that's enough to convince any thinking person right there that Jesus probably existed. Why would these people make up this guy who's their savior who's also crucified? That's so embarrassing. Just so that they could be killed by the Jews and the Romans? Why would they make that up? Doesn't make any sense. Alright, see you guys next time.